Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Top 10 from the Gallant Few. This is the show where we ask listeners to put in their top 10 of a certain category. We compile the list, decide how many we want to chat through and tell you who the who the top dogs were in the list. Obviously, this is an inaugural um, selection. Last week, we done part one of the top 10 players from the journey, and this is part two. Here to join me on, you know, on hopefully putting to bed the last time we'll talk about these uh, World Division years for a wee while. David Pollock, how are you? I'm good, Con. I'm good. Uh, obviously, still getting over you know what, but uh, hanging in there. And we'll uh, take us down memory lane here and, and at least we can uh, say lovely things. We can just ignore all the other stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, <laughs> recording on the 28th of February 2023 for anybody who ever goes back and watches us. Certain game that's maybe put us in a bit of a bad mood. But the th- good thing about looking at um, walking out in front of the hedge at Breakin as it gives you a bit of perspective, David, isn't it? Oh, it certainly does, yeah. Because the some of the, the the games, you know, during this period, you know, when we were in the lower leagues, you know, second division, first division, championship, championship. The I think our expectation, I know it's it's always high, isn't it? You know, but I think it was set at the league we were in. So you know, our, I, I remember the cup ties as being. You know, we uh, we had kind of mixed fortunes in the cup ties. So, but they were always the games where you know we were saying, right, well, we'll test ourselves and and see exactly where our team was. You know, in terms of uh, when as we progress through these leagues, it was an interesting time. You know, it was a, an endurance test, but we hey, we come through it. Here we are today. So, just to remind the listeners of what the um, what the first show ended up with the list. Um, we ended up doing the top 15 just because there's a lot of players that um, racked up quite a good few points for the listeners' entries. Um, so in spaces 15 to 7 was John Daly, Neil Alexander, Nicky Law, Dean Shields, Andy Little, Wes Fodderingham, Jason Holt, Lewis McLeod and Andy Halliday in its 7th. That was uh, the, the top Nine. Um, we're going to go through the very last six, Davy. Um, and without further ado, let's kick us off with number six. So this player, he was signed for Wigan in the summer of 2015 for a, a grand fee of £200,000. Previously, before coming to Ibrox, he was a one in three striker at best, um, but he very soon hit the ground running at Rangers scoring 28 goals in 36 appearances with the odd penalty dotted here and there uh, to say the least as Rangers rampaged towards the Scottish Championship title. A huge figure in Warburton's first season is none other than Martin Waghorn. What's your thoughts on Waggy coming in in the top 10? Oh, I mean, I, I like Martin Waghorn. I really did. Uh, I know he was kind of all left foot, but he was... Uh, I, I, his commitment was unquestionable and you know he was as broad as a brick you know what uh, and he, he, the man he had a lovely touch and I mean I, I think it, from you know my memory of him it is much on the right hand side as he had on the left 
but he had a fearsome dig on him as well. You know, he could strike a ball. I, I like Waggy. He was, and in fact, you know, when he did, he left, I was thinking, you know, maybe he would have one that we could have hung on to. Uh, obviously, he's gone down to Derby, and, and I don't think he set the hell on fire down there. But I think he did okay. But I think he he could have he would have it would have been interesting to see Wycorn. Obviously, when we get back to the Premier League, we're looking, you know, to improve the quality, but. Big waggy, you know, the games against, I remember the game against Hibs, both at Easter Road and at Ibrox when he, uh, I think he scored a couple in each of them. Yeah, so, uh, no, I thought Wycorn was was, a, was an excellent player. I think there was, his, his form dropped off towards his, the end of his career. I think he, he had the injury, didn't he? He got injured in one of those plastic pitches. Ah, uh, he did. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on his return, he never quite got back to the level that he was. Uh, and I think, you know, that the expectation Ibrox had risen uh, just a tad. And I think he, uh, it, it became a confidence thing. So when he did move on, it, it probably was the correct thing to do. But but in, in his, when he arrived in his initial spell, you know, he was banging them and he, uh, he certainly uh, did a turn for us in that championship. Uh, and, and, and the season that we... One promotion, even in the season when we we get pipped with hearts, <clears throat> I think Wycorn, <clears throat> excuse me, no was uh, he'd certainly be in, in in my team from you know, the lower divisions, no doubt about it. He'd be up there. Uh, what what I really liked about Martin Wycorn, and like we're going to talk about a few um, who had a big impact in Warburton's first season. Um, you could see the brand of football. Mark Warburton wanted to play was very. <laughs> it was a million miles away from what Alan McCoyce was playing. Let's put it that way, to put it kindly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were still in such a Scotland's a physical country in general for football, but the further down you go, the more physical it gets. And I did think at the beginning of the season, how will these players stand up and cope? How will these players come up to England, like be able to cope with no being able to play their game? As you mentioned at the beginning, but he was a brickier boy. He could shift. He was quite strong. He was a powerful raw striker. Um, I think he's probably somebody what how some of the players are the now. Probably more an instinctive striker. If he's had too much time um, to maybe pick the the finish, then he maybe overthought it. But I thought he's he's power. He's instinct. He uh, he done as a massive turn that first season in particular. Yeah, no, he's, he hit the ground running when he arrived. He looked apart, and I thought he had a lovely touch for a big bloke, you know, because he was, uh, but he did a nice touch, you know, and he was, he, he could do the nutmegs, the wee cut inside, you know, chopping back things. Yeah, he did have a, a nice uh, touch of the football, you know, for such a big guy. It wasn't all uh, blood and thunder with, with Martin Wycorn. And he wasn't scared to uh, have a strike. I remember him. One of the goals that he did score Easter Road was from an almost impossible angle, but it was just pure power that uh, just drove it through the keeper. I think the keeper ended up getting a touch to it, but uh, no, he's, he scored uh, some nice goals. I liked Waggy. He was... And, and Warburton at that time, you know, I think kind of lifted the mood and, and he's kind of very much seen by me, you know, looking back in that light, there was a bit more optimism. Waghorn, he's a decent player, he's scoring a few goals, you know, it was uh, all part of the journey. When we look at 
um, this is the top ten from the players from the journey, um, and it's it, as much as we can, we we try and just base it on that. Although your unconscious bias would come through for all of us in um, one way or another. Are you surprised? I think we both agree, Martin Wycombe in the top ten for us. Are you surprised to see him place higher than Andy Halliday, for example? I think there is always a bias towards goal scorers. You know, although Andy Halliday's one of our own, and uh, and you know, again, one hundred ten percent, without question, he's he's uh, a volunteer, very much a volunteer. Uh, so I think that that's generally is reflected in the results where people like guys who score goals or, you know, in, in, in a couple instances, they'll just be uh, so iconic that they'll either become iconic players who, so people will get there just, just from longevity almost, you know, from just the length of time that they played there, which, uh, so Wycorn, I think there gets gets in as a goal scorer. Andy Hardy gets in just by being one of us. So I think and you're the, you know, give each of them, you know, the three reasons why they're in this list. It would be uh, interesting to compare why uh, why they made it and, and what was the, the thinking behind the, the people who voted this way. So it would be uh, that would be interesting. Why Martin Wycorn? Because you know and I think he kind of took to Rangers and 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 I, I did later see that he would have stayed, you know, had you know circumstances just been a bit more favourable than, uh, but when he moved back down south, so I think there was a view that you know the the top league, we're moving to the top league, we don't need you anymore. I think Martin would have done as a turn, which is a shame. Uh, it would have been good to find out. <clears throat> I know. So we're firmly into the top five now, Davy. Um, coming in in fifth place of the listeners' votes. Um, he, at the ripe old age of 34, he signed for Ali McCoy's um, in Rangers' first attempt at the Scottish Championship, but in a turgid season. Only managed nine goals and 41 appearances. But a year older, um, he was absolutely revitalised under Mark Warburton in the new style of play, and he managed to strike up a really prolific relationship with Martin Waghorn as well and racked up 21 goals over the season. Given the honour of vice-captain behind Lee Wallace and his third spell at the club, he's a polarising figure. He is. It's Kenny Miller in the top five. What's your thoughts on Kenny placing so high? Well, I have to confess, I, I've kind of been in, in both sides of the... <laughs> both. I've been in both camps with in terms of Kenny Miller. You know, because obviously when he uh, he's he's wee stint with the other mob, and <clears throat> then then you're thinking, you know, he will never darken our towels again. But hey ho, uh, we uh, get Kenny back, and and he won me over again. You know, so I think just again commitment. I think he was a leader on the pitch, very vocal. He had lots to say. I think at that time in his career, he was of a of a view that he would be kind of moving into coaching, stroke management, but his career would be continuing in football. And I think some of the stuff that he did on the pitch kind of almost hinted to that. 
that he was, you know, he was there as a, an influence in, in other players and younger players. So he he's pretty much saw some of his role on the pitch as you know, issuing instructions, encouraging, haranguing guys when, when required. But he, he certainly, in terms of the goal scoring, he certainly delivered. And in, in terms of our, our, you know, eventually when we got back and we won the championship, uh, Kenny, I think, had, you know, from as you said, you know, the, the first season when we uh, we didn't quite uh, make the make it back uh, and and then the playoffs which was uh, which was a sore one and then we the next season we just kind of ran away with it so Warburton again you know Kenny was seen there as probably someone who was was very much you know a very experienced player still very capable still very fit but within there just to see us back into the the SPFL and then probably uh, move on move upstairs even at that point, so uh, it never quite worked out that way, but you know, I love Kenny Miller, and I just love the way that he, particularly in, in, in when we, we did win promotion that season, I thought he was fantastic. He was so reliable and so dependable because you know he had, he had a run in the team, scoring goals, taking responsibility. I thought he was... Uh, Everything that we probably needed at that time, just to uh, make sure that we uh, we managed it. You know, there is the this is this is what has to happen. You know, a positive influence in the players round about him, Kenny. And and there were times, you know, I would have gladly wrung his neck, but uh, on the whole, uh, you know, Kenny Miller was. I, I like Kenny Miller, and I think it's a shame the way that it's kind of turned out for him <clears throat> in terms of you know I think he continues to have a wee constrained relationship. With some of the people who are in the club, I don't, I know, I don't know whether that's a personal thing or he's, or he's now considered persona non grata with the club, you know, in perpetuity. There's a few Latin words in there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you, you've done your studying for this, Paul, didn't you? No, I, 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 I wish we could, uh, we could find a way to get Kenny back, and and you know, Rangers TV, whatever, find a way to get him. Mm. Back on on there because I think he had our best interests at heart. I know he had his we uh, he strayed from the path of righteousness for <laughs> for a wee while, but he uh, there's no doubt he was committed to us. And just a wee a wee sideline about Kenny Miller. You know that after the game in Seville and there's the the video of the the BT gantry. You know live when the game is being played and they're all, they're not commentating, they're all just on the rail watching the game. And it's when uh, Joe Aribo strides forward and pops the ball in the net. And if so if you ever doubted, you know, where Kenny Miller's allegiances lie, just watch the 30-second video when Aribo pops it into the net and, and that will answer the question for you. So, no, we all, I, we all, Kenny Miller. We all love a redemption story. It's um, it's a fairy tale as old as time itself, um, and there is a lot of people that will never forgive him for pulling on that jersey, and I can understand that. But I try and look at it, the impact he had at the club, and he had won, won me over by the time he left um, the second time. When he mm. came back, I wasn't a fan of him coming back the third time, and it was purely because I don't think he was what we needed. Um, at that time, um, but 
there was wider issues going on with the team, um, probably in the wrong team. I was very much, either rightly or wrongly, I was putting him and Chris Boyd in the same bracket. And that first season under Ali for for Miller, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't any better or any worse than the rest of them, but it was a horrible season. Under Warburton, when we had such a big turnaround and we had a lot of new players coming in, a lot of players leaving, like to McCulloch, lost our captain. Um, I was worrying how the identity would be of Rangers. And that's it's quite a wanky word to write. Um, but we talk about it all the time, about having that Rangers identity. At that point in time, I didn't really know too much about Andy Halliday. But I think Kenny Miller really helped Lee Wallace instill the standards that we needed to get back up to the Premier League. Um, it's It was just... I almost liken him to Stephen Davis. Obviously, Stephen Davis is a far superior footballer and done is at a far superior level. But he came back and he was just that model pro for Rangers under 55. Kenny Miller, and he was just that model pro for what we needed at that point in time. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of Kenny Miller. Um, and I'm, I'm firmly happy to see him in the top five. He's probably, he, he's probably comes fourth or fifth for me, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think uh, Kenny would probably, probably, gosh, put some screws on me. He would be in my top three, Kenny Miller, because I just think he he brought drive, determination. You know, as used, I think the word you used used was standards. You know, he just, uh, I think he he was a good role model for that. You know, in in terms of influencing other players. You know, when we uh, when Warburton arrived and and you know we'd some of the guys that arrived from down south. And I think uh, Kenny was a good influence on them. So, into the top four, Davey. Um, and at number four, um, this boy was a, a product of the Youth Academy, thrust into the first team at the, the ripe age of 17 when Rangers faced breaking in 2012. Um, and that's where he, he made his first Rangers start. He'd go on and make a further 41 appearances that season as Rangers won the third division. And the following year, um, struggling for game time, he was bizarrely loaned out to the division above where Rangers were playing. And a further loan spell would follow as Rangers broke into the championship. In the final year of the journey, he'd make 48 appearances in all competitions out in the wing. Uh, and he, he appeared unplayable at times in a key man for Mark Warburton. The biggest highlight, I'd say, in this time in the World Divisions was that goal against Celtic at Hamden. Step up, Barry Mackay in the top four. What's your thoughts and, and wee Baza? Uh, he is uh, something of an enigma for me, to be honest, because he he was a sm- he is a smashing player. You still see him today. You know, he's still playing, strutting his stuff with the hearts. He is capable of wonderful things. But I think even today, but certainly then, the the frustration I had. That's, I'm quite surprised he's as high as he is. You just initially say that. That I was shocked. Really I was shocked how high he. Um, and again, he was terrific. Yes, he's a terrific player. But in terms of all the players that we spoke about, um, I I was really surprised he came fourth. Yeah, I, I'm. There must be a few members of the Mackay household of, of being in the pool. But 
tremendously talented, you know, doing unbelievable stuff. You know, some of the, you can see even see today with the Jambos, the stuff that he's capable of. I noticed a couple of weeks ago there was a game and, and he ends up getting pulled, he, he gets subbed. And I'm thinking, there, there is Barry McGuire, you know. Sometimes he's, as you said, unplayable. Other times he looks indifferent. But uh, he was certainly, you know, at that age and in that team and the stuff, the goals that he was scoring, the, the assists that he was providing, the runs, you're thinking, this guy's going to go really, he's, he will not be Rangers long. Someone's going to come in and snap this boy up. But what I've since learned of Barry McKay, and I don't know how much of this is true or not, is that he's quite a laid-back character. And it's he's not what you would have termed, you know, a driven professional football player who lives and breathes it. I think he pretty much takes it on his stride. And I think that kind of laid-back you know, approach to the game and being a Rangers player when things aren't going as well as maybe the, the support believe they ought to, maybe isn't a good mix. So I was uh, I was actually disappointed when he left him because I think it was it was a kind of meeting of minds between Rangers and himself that he was leaving. You know, I don't think Rangers were pushing him out the door, and he wasn't you know bursting himself out the door. It just seemed to be that. I, you know, okay, I'll move to another club, you know, so, and that's the, you know, the, the one of the weaknesses, he just didn't seem to have the the willingness, you know, that he, this, he was a, a big club and that, you know, he was determined to succeed. He just, he just gave me the impression that, you know, if, if we win, that was good, that was great, and but if we didn't win, well, that's okay as well, you know, I just, no. it was... He just gave me the, it was all passing him by. And he must have been so frustrating, you know, to play with, I think, because his, he's uh, probably not indifferent, but it smacked of an indifference when you saw him on the pitch. I don't know if you ever seen Andy Halliday's interview in Open Goal. We talk about Barry McKay, and it's a couple of funny stories. But the biggest thing we, we were Halliday spoke about, and he, he did say he's a bit, a, a bit of an enigma. Um, because if Barry, according to Andy Hardy, if Barry McKay could have got the same money stacking shells in Tesco as he did playing for Rangers, he'd go and stack shells in Tesco yes, because it's a less strenuous job. And it's, um, I can't, you know, it's no for me to question um, people's outlook in life, but it's just kind of reiterating what you're saying about that drive. It's, it's never something that he really had, but. The, the listeners have put him in the top four for a reason. And um, what, what I would ask you, how how much is that weighted on his goal at Hamden? Because I, I dare say that's, that's arguably the highlight of the journey, um, that win at, at Hamden for some. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, I was in the front row. Two or three rows in the front stand, so I'm looking at this, you know, kind of ground level. A long way away when he hit that ball, so I probably didn't have the the right, the correct perspective of actually how far out he was when he hit it. So obviously we we celebrated wildly, but it was only after the game when I saw it, you know, and from a, a better angle did I actually appreciate how good a goal that was, because he uh, he smacked it from some way out, and and there he is, you know, because he he will do the utterly ridiculous. 
uh, and and other times, you know, he would he just gave you the impression that uh, it's it's not that important, guys. When you know, obviously, we're we're foaming at the mouth when, <laughs> when because it's very important for us. But uh, he he was uh, a a strange wee laddie, and I think I think he's something. You remember the, the kind of wacky hairdos that he used to have as well. He came out with, you know, he still does if you see him play for Hearts, eh? He'd have a ponytail and the sides were shaved and all that. And was there not? Was he at Bristol? He was at Sheffield Wednesday, I think. But he was at one of the Bristol clubs, and there was talk that he was going to train to be a, a hairdresser or something, you know. <laughs> and and I thought that's just uh, that's just so Barry Mackay. The little I know of him, you know, that he's he's the creative type, and I don't really think he's the uh, we're going to die in the trenches together type. Isn't it? No. Just... But but that was very I think that was very Warburton esque. Obviously he had his 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 generals, if you like, um Wallace, Miller, Halliday, but the rest that was very much what Mark Warburton looked for to to yeah. trust Panny, don't panic too much. If it's no working, it will come off. And I think Barry Mackay flourished under that. Um yeah. And that's why Mark Warburton loved Barry Mackay because for better or for worse, Barry Mackay is just trying to, he, he is trying to remain calm. And while it is frustrating from the terraces, um, you, you never, yeah. you never seen him panic, I suppose. Yeah, well, I think Warburton, obviously, when he arrived, he was a breath of fresh air. And, and I just remembered, you know, the surge of optimism that we had when <clears throat> we've got, you know, a manager coming in who's clearly committed to attacking football. He sees in Barry Mackay something of a free spirit, clearly a very gifted player. So they, they, they were as one, you know, I think, as you say, Warburton saw in Barry Mackay someone who would would go out there, be creative, you know, and and do wonderful things. And and on his day, you know, gosh, he's he's up there with the best of them. It's just that when, uh, when things get a little tough, yeah, because you know the the accusation was was the heart of a mouse was was uttered more than a more than one or two times, you know, at, at the games, because that he just, as I said, you know, you wouldn't want him, you wouldn't want him to go to war with with ten Barry McGuys, because yeah, yeah, you'd be doomed. They, they would be, he'd fall asleep. <laughs> you would. So, into into the top three. Um, we're getting to the real top dogs here. Um, taking the bronze medal in the top 10 players from the journey. Um, he joined the Rangers in, oh, way back in 2007 and a real warrior of a player under Walter Smith. And what he lacked in flair and talent, he absolutely made up with desire and attitude. He won three league titles, three league cups, two Scottish cups, and he also got a UEFA Cup final runners-up medal. That just highlights how big a fall it was when he walked out in front of the hedge in 2012. But it was that experience in leadership, Davey, that would see him replace Carlos Bocanegra as captain. And he'd go on to play up front in midfield, centre-half, in his three years in the World Leagues. Big jig, Lee McCulloch. For me, he's absolutely there or thereabouts. I'd maybe, he's maybe one less than what I'd put him, but Firmly deservedly in the top three for me. Yeah, Big Lee was—he's uh, the man for all seasons, isn't he? You know, he just—he would be—he played a huge role. He's a huge part of the squad, just a huge influence in the squad. You know, much as we say, we said about Kenny Miller, but 
he saw the whole course. He was there from, uh, you know, being in Leon when we were beating them three 0 in the Champions League to to breaking with the hedge, you know. So it was uh, he stuck it all all out, saw us through, and uh, I think by the end of his time, you know, it clearly. His, his Rangers career was extended because it was the lower leagues. I think there was he he would not have been with us otherwise, but I'm sure he would have got a, a good gig elsewhere. So God bless Lee for uh, for seeing it out. <clears throat> we uh, and as you said, you know it would be you know defence. I think I, I, gosh that would be an interesting start. Would be how many positions did did I see Lee McCulloch playing? It, it, it must be the full set. Well, I mean, other than goalkeeper, because he was the he was the go-to guy when you had to, he was the the original utility man, because uh, midfield up front, you know, central defence, the skipper, yeah, uh, Lee McCulloch, no, God bless Lee, you know, and I, I like Jig. You could see by the end of his time, you know, that it was. Uh, we were in, we're on borrowed time, but I think he pretty much saw that as well. Mm-hmm. He was there <clears throat> just to see us through the mission of getting Rangers back to the, the top league mission accomplished. So he will be in our hearts forever for that and for seeing it through. Uh, and, and you know, the ups and downs that, that came in that, but uh, Lee was always there. And again, he was <clears throat> a bit of a warrior, you know, so you knew you were, you were, you were in a game when uh, you were up against Lee McCulloch, and I, I liked that about him, that he was not a shrinking violet. Uh, I, I never want to be Rangers players to be to be shrinking violet. So obviously the, the more creative guys, we need a mix. But first and foremost, I want them to be good teammates, be be a good team player, and Lee was certainly that. He was uh, he was the leader. He was the leader. So he was in obviously the. The third division, League One, first season of Championship, it wasn't always what we want, wanted it to be. But I do think Lee McCulloch just being that that battle axe at times, and he, he's always been that throughout his career. And he wasn't he wasn't jaded, he wasn't in shock going down to the, the trenches um, in the third division, which some of the prima donnas were. He did have that get up and go, and he, he could command the teammates around him as well. And I, I dare think how bad it would have been if we didn't have somebody like him um, uh, down there, just commanding the place and just keeping the the battle going. Um, it was a turgid watch at times, but by God, it would have been horrible. No having, no having that desire there that Lee McCulloch showed throughout. Well, I mean, I think he played an important role in, in terms of being. A Rangers player who had played, you know, as you say, three league titles, uh, Champions League, and then played in the lower league. And and it was as if the, the teams that we were then playing against, you know, the Breakins, the Montrose, you know, and, and all these guys, they're coming up against Rangers, you know, like, oh, you know, so that, that was their cup final. But I think Lee was the, being the top pro, he was... Uh, he was able to see all that off, you know, because there was a danger that, you know, younger players who we'd brought into the team and players who hadn't played with Rangers at the top don't really fully understand what Rangers are, what Lee McCulloch did know what Rangers are and was determined to get Rangers back. 
to where they, they ought to be. So he was a, a strong enough character to, to fend off all the wee, you know, corner boy heroes from Montrose and Stenhouse Muir who wanted to have a pop at them. And Lee McCulloch was the was the, the perfect foil for all of that because you wouldn't want to leave, meet Lee McCulloch in a dark alley at midnight because he could look after himself. And, and I loved that about him. You know, he was a... Uh, didn't shirk away from, didn't shirk away from the, the challenge when we were winning league titles or the Champions League. He certainly wasn't going to do it against Montrose. I'm absolutely delighted, David, that the listeners of re- in the same way of thinking, and they've put him in the top three because I was I was worried how how we'd perceive Lee McCarthy as time goes on because under that. That last season or the last six months under Ali, then Kenny McDowell and Stuart McCall, he was very much a, a, a figure of blame. And I think Rangers fans love a, a scapegoat. And towards the end, uh, he did get a hard time. And it would have been a crying shame if that's um, how, we, how we remembered him. But I'm glad that we do look at him fondly for the for the, the role he played. And I think it's, uh, it's for me, as time goes on, I think it gets rosier and, and probably more highlighted when I look back how such an important figure he was for for this period in history for, for the club. I think uh, Lee McCulloch, you know, put himself out there, you know, to be able to be to stay part of that team, you know, and bring that the experience that he had and, and the leadership qualities that he had to continue to be there. And so you know, had it been different, then he probably would have dropped out of the squad, you know, a bit earlier. But he stayed longer than he probably would have just to see the project, to move the project on as far as he could. So I think uh, Lee McCulloch is to be commended for that. And and any time, you know, I see him on the touchline at Hearts, you know, I I just think Lee was, uh, was, a, was a great player for us, a great leader for us, and an important part of the transition from... You know, the, the top league through the lower leagues back to the top league, he an important played a huge role. Huge role. So, Davey, we're into the penultimate player coming in at second place. And there wasn't much in it, by the way, when we tallied up uh, the listeners' scores. But in its second place in the listeners' top players from the journey. We signed him for 200 grand from Wigan Athletic at the age of 23. His career at that point already resembling a bit of a, resembling like a, a season journeyman um, with bit part appearances here and there at several clubs. But Dowsey's talent at that level were absolutely soon answered. Um, melo- with melodic displays for right back grabbing the most goals ever from a full-back position since Sandy Jardin, including an absolute screamer at Hamden against Peterhead in the Challenge Cup final. Played 50 games in his first season before going on to be a mainstay of the club for years to come, right to this day, time of recording. It's current captain and Hall of Famer James Tavernier. So, obviously, there's uh, this season uh, a bit of... Mixed debate around James Tavenier, but in terms of contribution to the War Leagues, is he in your top 10? Oh, yeah, yeah, Tavenier. I mean, I, I don't know if you were at that, this game, Colin, we, uh, we played 
when he'd only just signed, we played and it was a, I think it was a League Cup tie against Peterhead at Ibrox. I think it was Peterhead. It was Peterhead or Inverness. Yep. And it was in front of the East Enclosure when Tavernier gets the ball and then he plays a wee flick inside, you know, gets to the byline, puts it across. We ended up not scoring from it, but it was just the crowd's reaction throughout the stadium to the wee flick inside that he did to knock it past the defender. And there was a kind of spontaneous roar. And it was like everyone was just so excited that we've got proper football players. And James Tavernier went, that that wee moment, it was it was surreal. It was like, whoa, this we've not seen a right back like that in a wee while. He just did a wee flick inside uh, and and knocked it past the defender, and and that was uh, that was James Tavernier's arrival. And then he gets to Easter Road, you know, leathers in the free kick, and and we're all getting more excited. We're thinking, you know, the optimism we were Warburton was riding the crest of a wave at that time. You know, and and James Tavernier was probably uh, one of the biggest reasons for that because we saw him as someone coming in who's athletic, who's running all day, who's got a lovely touch, capable of scoring the free kick. I mean, we were we were getting run away with ourselves, you know, uh, at, at that point. But he's you look at his contribution, you know, throughout the years, you know, getting his back and then winning at the league, the Scottish Cup, Seville. You know, it's it's like a, a a boy's own story, isn't it? I mean, if you were to uh, if you were to have written this, you know, six years ago, people would have had you carted off. It would just from the the change because I think he recently said, you know, when he he was inducted in the Hall of Fame that he's him and his wife, you know, would would travel to his football career was based in a camper van. Because he was changing clubs so often, you know, on loan here, there, and everywhere, and it was wasn't until he arrived, you know, when he found his home at Ibrox, that he settled down. Now consider Glasgow's home. You look at the ninety-five goals, the assist, top goal scorer in the Europa League. I mean, who would have thought that when we were we were playing Inverness? I think I'm sure it was Peter Head we played at Ibrox, but who would have thought from from that day? That we where James Tavernier was going to lead us, uh, so no, uh, absolutely, uh, it's ho- almost Hollywood stuff, isn't it? You know, it so really James is. Tavernier. What is uh, James Tavernier? We uh, on his day, I, 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 he's not had the best season this season. There's no doubt about that. But the goals and assists that he's provided us, you know, from arriving from Wigan for two hundred thousand pounds, an absolute bargain. You said Hollywood there, and it is really hard to separate what happens before and after these years when you think about these players because we're human and obviously our, our biases come in as well. But it, it didn't surprise me that so many people put James Tavernier so high. And if I'm being perfectly honest, in that season where we won the championship, there is maybe more important players in front of him, but it is very hard to separate what he's done afterwards and in the journey he's been on as well. But just harking back to first seeing him at Ibrox, um, those first few games. And bear in mind, this isn't just through the lower divisions. We, we didn't have the greatest right-backs. Under Walter Smith, we were playing guys like Kirk Broadfoot and Christian Daly at times at right-back. So um, the 
the marauding talented right back. We hadn't really seen one, let's be honest, since Alan Hutton. And watching him felt like yeah, I was on an acid trip. Honestly, like he was joining in with the attack. It's even Lee Wallace, um, it was a different type of attacker for Lee Wallace on the other side as well. And it's just I that like we, we keep on saying it was a breath of fresh air under Warburton, but he was a massive part of that as well. It was just this new style of football, new style of Rangers, something that we hadn't really seen in, well, certainly my, not in my lifetime, but probably since we're talking early 2000s, um, this type of free-flowing football. And, you know, I'm, I've said time and time again, I'm happy enough with James Tavernier being in the Hall of Fame from where he was signing for Wigan to what he's done now. Um, and yes, there's going to be players in there who have won more trophies and there's players who aren't in there who have won more trophies. With a Hall of Fame, David, I don't like comparing um, ex-player against ex-player. I think everybody has, you need to look at their own individual circumstances and own yeah. individual merit and make the decision. Yeah, okay, we're not going to, we're not judging these guys on, on what quality of team they played in. We're judging these guys on, on their individual contribution to the team that they played in. And, and in the wider context of, of what division they were in. And, you know, obviously in the lower leagues. And, and it, it would have been a gamble because James Tavernier uh, took a gamble in, in, in heading north, you know, and in, in, in signing with Rangers. So <clears throat> it, it, it's clearly worked out. So we, we've, it was good for him to, uh, to take that gamble. I, I did recently uh, see the footage of of his original debut at Ibrox when he came on as a sub when Newcastle came to Ibrox in a pre-season friendly and he came on as a sub and uh, it was you know someone uh, rolled it out just as oh here's James Tavernier's debut at Ibrox and it was is in a Newcastle strip and Christ he looks like he's a uh, he's left his school uniform and in, in, in the changing rooms to pull the strip over his head he's uh, he looks so young but. It's amazing how these things work out. He then, you know, rolled roll the, the tape forward a few years, and James Tavernier's uh, is in the is opening the scoring in in a European semi final. Ibrox to take Rangers to the final. I mean, that if if that's no Hollywood, then uh, maybe, maybe it's just a lack of imagination on my part. But that's a boy's own story. Eh? Where you you come on as a teenager, you know, to make your as uh, a debut and then in the same ground several years later score the opening goal in a European semi-final it's nuts <clears throat> so moving on to the top spot David and I, I really don't see how anybody else could have came out um, at number one and this man will always have a place in my heart signing for Rangers at the age of 24 before the fall he became a key player in a, a horrible season as Rangers were put in the administration. A real highlight of that season, however, was was watching him score what ended up the winner in a 3-2 old firm victory at Ibrox and it had an iconic celebration which really symbolised the fight and desire we need for the years ahead. Um, I think that was iconic for more reason than one, um, obviously for what it meant for the club, but for the player that scored it, that that was a real mark of the career he could have had, the level he should have been playing at, they, they could have went on to play it. Um, but with his best years ahead of him, 
pledge his future to seeing Rangers through the lower leagues and he would eventually become the captain who led us back to the Premiership and lifted the trophy in the final season of the journey. As I said, I will be forever grateful for what Lee Wallace done for the club. It couldn't have been MD else, David, could it? Absolutely not. And and I was a wee uh, there was a wee tinge of sadness, you know, last week when you know we we're announcing, you know, some I think our first uh, addition to the Hall of Fame in ten years, and Lee Wallace's name's not on the list. And you're thinking, what what are the criteria here for you know? So if there's any justice in the world, I think I don't know whether Rangers or someone at Rangers bears a grudge. Lee Wallace because they must do they must do if Lee Wallace isn't doesn't qualify for the Hall of Fame then I think it just devalues the whole exercise because is it just who's popular who scores the the most goals then you know you go through that 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 list of names you know that and there's now what 101 of them 102 so we now have, and, and some of those guys, you know, their contribution compared to what Lee Wallace sacrificed to 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 play for Rangers, I just think is uh, just it's not a good look in the club. I think if Rangers are going to be, you know, the club which Michael Beale wants us to be by allowing the other team to, you know, doing the right thing, this is the right thing to do, you know. It's about standards. Let the other team score. Then I think those principles will apply to Lee Wallace's contribution to Rangers and say Lee Wallace's contribution is significant. It was unique because you know he's going down the league as, as captain, leading that team in much the way he was assisted by Lee McCullough. But uh, he was in a, a far more advantageous position than, than Lee McCullough because Lee McCullough was creeping, you know, he was naturally coming to the end of his playing career and it probably ran on a year or two because Rangers were in lower divisions and but he stayed did and, and did the right thing to see his and handed on the baton. But Lee Wallace, as you said, was was absolutely in his prime. You know, he was a Scottish international. This guy would have uh, he'd have walked out and, and, and had a pick of six clubs to, to sign for. And he chose to, to, to stay and, and see the, the the journey through. And for that, you know, then I I, I could he's he's why he's not in the Rangers Hall of Fame is a stain on our club. Is an absolute stain. And if it's because of some sort of fallout, you know, and, and, and we this is just weeks after we claim that we you know we've got standards and we want to do the right thing and be bigger men. Just, uh, well, you, both can't be true. Both can't be true. Lima Wallace was, and you're right about that, the goal when, you know, the, the image which, uh, as he runs away, you know, f- towards the govern stand and that day, you know, I, I've I've seen it in colour, I've seen it in black and white, I'm, I'm not sure. And and as important, you know, are the, their, their players in the background who have clearly just watched the ball hit the net and I've and with the the main stand behind him, I think it's you. You couldn't have stage managed that photograph any better. It was. It's just, uh, and I, I think that that just encapsulates Lee Wallace's contribution. It's uh, 
I think he treated shamefully at the end. And I think he treated shamefully for a, trying to apply the standards which Michael Beale has just been lauded for. So can't, hypocrisy springs to mind. But there you go. It really is. And I think you've seen... Um... I think you almost seen a wee bit of redemption for him coming back. Um, like Stephen Gerrard uh, tried very hard to get him minutes. Um, like when when he was first um, back in, because there's obviously there's obviously that um, that stature there for Lee Wallace that he will always be remembered at the club. And when we talk about the Hall of Fame, and again, to go back to my earlier point. This isn't saying that the players in the Hall of Fame shouldn't they be there because we was, isn't there? I find the Hall of Fame they're there in their own merits, but there's no going to be another Rangers captain who who lifts the the championship uh, title. Um, well, fuck, I don't know. Let's, let, let's hope the EBTs don't come back, but realistically, there won't be MD who who has to lead Rangers through that that final season ever again, and. It's not just been there, but he, his contribution during the time because well, well, we're talking about the kind of sentimentality stuff here. He was head and shoulders above everybody else in in, in the leagues um, when he played there. Particularly even that last season when we brought in um, James Tavernier, Martin Warren, um, Barry McKay, and Kenny Miller were hitting form. We were also mm-hmm. player of the year that year, um, and deservedly so. He was just a it was a talent above above the rest as well as just having that. That kind of non tangible qualities we want in a Rangers player the leadership, the grit, the determination. Um, he's he almost made the four years bearable, yeah. Because I mean, there was a period when he was out for and he was out injured for a length of time, eh? And and I think we missed him sorely, we missed him sorely. And and when he was no longer there, you saw the, the influence that he had and, and the quality that he had. Uh, but I think you're right about the, the existing list of Hall of Famers and the contribution they have made and, and Lee Wallace and the contribution that he made. But what I think Lee Wallace also, also made was sacrifice and, and, and it was for Rangers. So, and Skipper and his, he saw his, his role as, as, as the leader, as, as being greater than the, the kind of monetary value of his contract. And and I think if we don't recognise that, then then I think we're we're poorer for it. We're a poorer club for it. And then the, the, any talk about standards just uh, sounds just a wee bit more hollow when when you don't recognise I am someone who's who's actually made sacrifice for the club as well as contributions. So I think we uh, it, it sh- we should we should get a petition together, Colin, really to get. Uh... We really should, and again, when there, there's been some of the listeners' contributions um, that you and I and Chris and the first part haven't quite agreed with, but uh, I, I think unanimously we recognise Lee Wallace has been the, the top player, the most important, whatever you want. What, whatever parameter you want to put in, whether it's the most talented or the most iconic or the greatest or the most important, Lee Wallace is at the top of every list. Um, it's, yeah, and you can see, the, you know, the groundswell of opinion, you know, and just in, in a straw poll, you know, amongst uh, the, some range of supporters that Lee Wallace has emerged as number one. 
and I, I don't see that that being any different from the Rangers support in general, the, the general, the wider Rangers support, because I know that certainly from some people I speak to and the people I know, then. But Lee Wallace is uh, the club are not in a good light, in, in their treatment of Lee Wallace. So, and and we recognise at least at least they don't officially. I think the Rangers support recognise as as this bears out exactly where they hold Lee Wallace and, and what he means to us. So it's uh, sometimes that the, we're not kind of in step with, you know, the range of support and, and, and the club itself, as, as, as we see from time to time. But certainly on this one, we, uh, we're not uh, doing ourselves, we're not putting ourselves in the base light by, by Lee Wallace not being there when he when he clearly ought to be he clearly ought to be it's not even you know much of a debate I think so there's there are other reasons which uh, I don't know of if it's a if it's any consolation um, at all Lee Wallace you've come out as number one player from the top ten of the journey as voted for by the gallant few listeners um so, Davey, um, I'll just run through the list again uh, for the for the listeners. Um, in at number 15 was John Daly. Number 14, Neil Alexander. 13 was Nicky Law. 12, Dean Shields. 11, Andy Little. 10, Wes Fordunham. 9, Jason Holt. 8, Lewis McLeod. Number 7 was Andy Halliday. In 6th place was Martin, Martin Waghorn. Kenny Miller was number 5. 4th place was Barry Mackay. Third, Lee McCulloch. Second, James Tavernier. One, Lee Wallace. Um, that brings us pretty much to, to a close, Davey. Um, it wasn't quite as traumatic as I thought it was going to be going through the lower divisions, was it? No, no, listen, I think we... Uh, there, initially, you know... People said it was a sheer defiance. It wasn't defiance for me. It was it was because Rangers are our team. So, and I think the the whole thing was 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 put into context. Remember the day that Sky put up the graphic where we had forty nine thousand at Ibrox and Rangers had more. There's more supporters at Ibrox than the rest of the Scottish League grounds combined. Aye, and we were Mental. we were playing in Division Two. You know, the lowest league in Scotland. A lot of senior league in Scotland, which just demonstrated the the sheer absurdity of the whole situation. That just sh- showed up for just how up utterly bonkers the whole thing was. But you know, when they wheel out this the big stick, which is called sporting integrity, and say, "No, no, this is how it has to be," then uh, they, as I think Ali called it out pretty much correctly. You know, when we were down. He took the opportunity to uh, put the boot into us. So, and, and I think his comment at the time was, well, you know, have a good kick because we won't always be here. So I think, <clears throat> am I bitter? Mm, probably not Not bitter, but certainly... I am uh, fucking bitter, sorry, I am. Um, and I know, like, it, I want to be a bigger man, I wish, but I am. I just wish we were better rather than bitter at, at rem- at remembering exactly who did what and when to us, and and you know, revenge is a dish best served cold. And some of the clubs that we uh, that took the opportunity to to have a field day, 
I, I think we should be uh, returning the serve when when the opportunity presents itself. So, because since that day, Colin, you know, I have never set foot in an away ground, and nor will I ever. I will just, I just will not give them my money. And you know, I'm probably, you know, I'm five minutes away from Livingston's ground, and I've I've been offered tickets, you know, Tynecastle. Uh, I've never been offered a ticket for them, but I just I don't, I don't take the away tickets. I I just refuse to do it. And I know I'm kind of very much in the minority of of that. And Rangers supporters want to go support the team. It's up to you guys, but they they will never see another penny of mine. And so in that sense, I I, I do carry a wee bit of bitterness because you know I've been at lots of games, lots of away games. I've probably been at Christ most most almost every ground in Scotland uh, support Rangers. Uh, but never again, never again. Well, that brings us to a close for our first ever um, top 10 series. Um, I've put up a couple of threads on follow, follow Rangers Media and on the social media pages, including YouTube as well. The next top 10 we're going to do, I'm looking for the listeners to put up who is your top 10 greatest ever captains. Um, so, that's um, maybe going to be a wee bit more thought-provoking. Um, uh, already we've got listeners putting in the top 10 best captains for their lifetime or top 10 in terms of contribution to the club, whatever your interpretation of it is. Get that, um, get it in, and we'll do the same again. We'll tally up who comes out um, top on that list. But thank you all for listening. Um, a massive thank you to Chris for joining us in the first show and, of course, Davey P., um, it's been a pleasure and until next time, take care.